This show is for every woman who has accepted pain and discomfort as inherent to being a woman, or who has denied any part of themselves to make it or feel accepted. Women of reproductive age have been left out of a lot of research because our bodies and our hormones are considered too complicated. What is worse is this idea trickles down to education, leaving most women with very little information about how their bodies work. Not only are we not taught how our bodies work, but once you start asking questions, it is surprisingly difficult to find answers. I believe that every woman deserves to know how her body works, to recognize when symptoms arise, and to feel confident in her inner voice. Because the pain, the mood swings, and the hormones are not your problem. They're your body's messengers. I am here to confront and change narratives around being a woman, being hormonal, and yes, PMSing. I'm your host, Brianna Villegas, and welcome to My Hormone Rants. Tomorrow is April 1st, the start of PMD, or Premenstrual Disorder Awareness Month. In light of that, all month long, I'm going to be focusing on topics related to living with PMDD. And I want to kick off this series with the topic of identity. I believe that identity is a central issue in the conversation around PMDD, particularly because of when the onset of these symptoms typically occur. And the three main times that they show up are during puberty, postpartum, and perimenopause, all of which are times when our brains are rewiring. Our biology is changing, and so the fact that a sensitivity to hormones could occur in these times makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, these are also very pivotal moments in defining and redefining our identities. You know, during puberty, we're becoming a woman. We're trying to figure out who this sort of in-between version of ourselves is. And then in postpartum, it's taking on a new role. Who are you now in relation to this new human being that depends on you? And who are you outside of that? And then Again, in perimenopause with this kind of reverse puberty that takes place and you're no longer in this window of as active doing and going with people looking to you and depending on you and there's some freedom there, but there's also a redefining of, you know, purpose for those later years. And I think because of that, there's ways that PMDD can really just, just entrench in who we are what we believe about ourselves, the narratives that we tell ourselves. But why does this matter? We're currently in a time where awareness around mental health concerns has grown, but a big part of this awareness has been an emphasis on getting a diagnosis or a label having a mental illness. And in some ways, right, this is establishing that this is real. It's not in your head. Your experience is validated. But at the same time, they start to form this thing of this is this permanent fixture of who I am, of my personality, something that is part of my identity. I am depressed. I am anxious. I have PMDD. Like that these things are permanent fixed fixtures. And then we seek out communities of people who have the same label as us, which can further embed these labels into who we are, how we make sense of the world, expectations we have of ourselves, and not just of ourselves, but expectations of what's possible. And the reality is it can be really hard for us to heal and release symptoms that we don't believe to be malleable, that we don't believe to be open to change. In a book by James Clear called Atomic Habits, he talks about intrinsic motivation and the importance of a habit, a new habit that you want to establish being a part of your identity. He says that it's one thing to say I'm a type of person who wants this and something very different to say I'm a type of person who is this. And while that context is in a more positive light, 
I believe this is true as well when we think about identities that are less beneficial to us, where the more that it's entrenched, the harder it is for us to release and to heal from that. And so I love something that was shared on Instagram recently by the holistic psychologist. If you're not already following her, you should. She, But one thing she posted recently was about one of her core beliefs in the work that she does. And that's that we're currently calling so many things mental illness and that what we view as mental illness is really nervous system dysregulation. And this is a huge mindset shift and one that's so important because it opens up the possibility for change. And when you look at the research, there's so much evidence of neuroplasticity, meaning that our brain, its structures, its patterns can change. And not only can it change, but we have influence over that change. But I think a lot of times in the process of getting a diagnosis, it puts us in a state of hyper-awareness where we're very aware. And I think this is especially true for women who statistically struggle more with that rumination process and then add on this layer of PMDD where you have hypersensitivity, intrusive thoughts, and you just get this state of awareness of how you're feeling, of what feels bad, of what's going on in your body. And there's less conversation about what you do with all of that. What happens when you start to recognize and label these things? And there's some research by Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she is a neuroscientist who looks at neuroplasticity in the brain. And what her research shows is that people who have just heightened awareness, so they get a diagnosis or they are maybe in therapy and are becoming more aware, at that stage, the measures of kind of health of brain structures looks worse than before they were made aware. And so that level of awareness, while it's a first step and it's important, we also need to know what to do with it because it's really when we have this awareness plus self-regulation or the ability to manage this new information, we have to manage the signals that our body's giving us to manage this diagnosis that we're living with and this experience that we're living with. And when we're able to do that, in her research, she's shown a significant decrease in depression as well as anxiety and overall healthier brains. The first shift that started to happen for me in my mindset around my experience was learning about cycle syncing, learning about what was normal and an optimal female experience. And that helped me see how much I was expecting things from my body that were unrealistic. And I was seeing parts of myself as symptoms that weren't symptoms. The fluctuations that were happening, the differences and focuses that occurred across the month, those weren't all symptomatic. Those weren't all clinical. And so this opened up my mind to say, well, maybe the relationship I have with my menstrual cycle in general can be improved. Another important shift that occurred for me in terms of identity was when I learned about the personality trait of being highly sensitive. A couple years after I got my PMDD diagnosis, I read a book by this woman who sort of developed this framework of personality traits that's and really identified with being a highly sensitive person. And so then I had to go through this phase of sort of reconciling, well, where is this overlap between PMDD and hypersensitivity? And, and in some ways, it started to make sense of 
you know, if I'm just a naturally more sensitive to the world, to my own body, to just experiences in general, then it would make sense that once I started my hormonal cycle that my brain responded more strongly to those than other people. And I've seen this in the PMDD community where, you know, many women with PMDD are either highly sensitive, highly empathetic people, they're creatives and artists and these more sensitive souls. And this started to help shift my relationship with PMDD and to be able to start separating out what pieces of PMDD are part of my identity and what part are circumstantial and behavioral and extreme. You know, if I have the sensitivity, what are the good parts of that? What are the parts that I want to identify with or I want to acknowledge and and make space for in my life? And then what parts of that do I want to try and modulate or improve? And I think the biggest shift that happened is I started to change my view. Because at first when I got the diagnosis of PMDD, it was like everything negative that occurs to me from ovulation to my period is PMDD. And once I started to step outside of that and say, what if this experience of PMDD, what if I could work along the edges in a way and start to improve little bits of my experience? What's possible? And when I started this, I didn't know, you know, if anything was possible. Could I improve it at all? But I remember thinking in the beginning, you know, if I could just get a couple more good days, if I could just get one more good day, it would be worth it for me. It'd be worth it for my husband. It'd be worth it for my kids. It'd be worth it for my life. It reminds me of a quote by Bene Brown who talks about that kind of the best and worst parts of ourselves follow along the same continuum. And it's really a matter of identifying where is this serving me? You know, what parts of it are uniquely me? What parts are my identity and this unique gift and perspective that I bring to the world? And what aspects are distorted? Because if we throw it all out, we throw out all the sensitivity. Are you also equally willing to throw out your empathy for others? Are you equally willing to throw out your self-awareness? And when I started approaching it that way, And shifting my focus from PMDD to what of this do I value? What of this identity do I want to keep? The PMDD part, the part that felt so disruptive and so intrusive and so extreme and so debilitating began to shrink. And it became less and less of the experience. And when I think about my current day experience, I don't even think in terms anymore of like, is this cured or not cured? It's how many days do I feel like the majority of the day was the best of that sensitivity versus the unhealthiest version of that sensitivity and kind of accepting it for all that comes with that. Because I highly value my self-awareness. I highly value my awareness to others and my ability to notice things that other people don't notice. Like these are things that I've always felt connected to. But now I'm able to see ways that All of those positive things are sort of intertwined with my experience of PMDD as well. And so if you're listening to this and you're resonating with this idea of fully identifying with PMDD as being the biggest part of yourself, and you feel drawn to this idea of PMDD as like, you know, it's part of the picture, but it's just this small piece of it. I'm sure you're wondering, you know, where do I start? What would that even look like? And so I want to leave you with some questions and some things to consider and how to start on this path of minimizing the role that PMDD has 
in your identity of who you are as a person. And I think the first one is really to start to observe your thoughts in a different way. During luteal phase, when you have the intrusive thoughts coming, they have the most power when they're inside your mind. Because your brain has a way of following these thoughts down these spirally paths that is not possible when you pull it out. The the image that I always get when I think about this ability to observe your thoughts sort of more objectively is from Harry Potter when Dumbledore is pulling, you know, his thoughts and memories from his mind and putting it in the bowl so that he can kind of watch it from a third party perspective. How can we find ways to do this? An obvious way is through journaling, getting it on a piece of paper. Because when you can see the words written, when you can see these thoughts for what they are, it's just an idea. You can start to create some distance and separate yourself from this. And you can also start to think about responses to that and maybe you can't in the moment but I think there's so much value in taking note of those things come that come up for you it doesn't have to be that you're solving it or fixing it in the moment I think we want to try and do so much so fast and our bodies shut down to that and so it's really like okay this is a thing that I'm feeling this is a thought that I'm having let's just let it sit here for a minute and even using the different windows of your cycle to be on this healing journey you know across the month and across the year because this is a lifestyle this isn't an acute thing it's chronic and so learning that the healing journey will happen in its time and so one way that you can do that is having these thoughts written down and visit them during menstrual phase when you're most in line with your intuition and who you are and reflect reflect on what are these things trying to tell you and not the message themselves but what insight is this giving you into your subconscious mind into limiting beliefs about yourself what are the themes there and then in follicular phase when you can see big picture and you're most creative and most optimistic start to create those affirmations what's the opposite of this what do I believe to be true about myself what is true who am I and how can I start to gently reframe that for myself Another tool that I found really helpful is in observing your language. A lot of the words that I that I used to use and used to think about myself was that I was broken or that my body hates me. My body's attacking me. I feel like I'm crazy. I can't make it stop, you know, in thinking about the the thoughts that would just spiral and but I started to try and separate that some and when I first learned about PMDD I didn't really like the idea of saying I had PMDD and I didn't really know how to talk about it because that feels so fixed and permanent something that helped along my journey is that I learned Spanish and am fluent and one thing about the Spanish language that helped me in my healing journey was having two verbs for the idea of being one that is a transitory state and one that's a fixed state and just the idea that you could have this language that communicates this idea differently and attaches differently just by switching out this verb. And so that really opened up this possibility of if I can find the right words to talk about this, it can feel less a part of who I am, less attached. And now I refer to it as a PMD flare up or like, you know, I'm having a worse day. Today's a bad day or it's a bad moment, but trying to separate that from the ruminating and catastrophizing that can happen where it's like this moment is bad and so this day will be bad and so this week will be bad and this month will be bad you know that that thing that builds and is a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense that the more that you build up that reactivity to your experience the more draining and exhausting that that experience is and so finding the words that work for you and the framing that works for you to weaken that attachment to your core identity another important factor is to observe the communities 
or support groups that you're in related to your diagnosis? Are they providing, you know, help in processing your experience? Because we need that understanding. We need to know that we're not alone to understand that other people are in it and doing it along with us. And we need that support. But also asking whether the majority of the message that you're hearing is holding you in a place of my life sucks, my experience sucks, and there's nothing I can do about it. Or is it pushing you towards finding relief and this idea that you have more control over your experience than a diagnosis may lead you to believe? The last way that I want to encourage you to get started on this path is to start asking yourself, how is this label, how is this diagnosis serving me? And not asking your brain if it is serving you, but how. And the reason that that little language shift is so valuable is because it's going to lower the defenses of your mind, of your subconscious, that is so attached to this thing. And even if it's negative, asking our bodies to release something that's core to our identity is a bigger ask than it might seem on the surface. And so it's how can we kind of get past those initial blocks And ask, has this helped me to understand myself better? Has it helped me to communicate to the people in my life so that my relationships have a deeper level of understanding and therefore a deeper level of support? Is this diagnosis another example of my self-awareness with my empathy for others, with my sensitivity? Is this falling on the spectrum of identity and characteristics that I do value and hold dearly? And how can I shift my perspective to those? And then asking yourself, you know, how... Are these labels and diagnoses, how are these things keeping me stuck in symptoms that are controlling my life? In what ways have I accepted the belief that this is permanent and that there's no relief? And how can I start affirming to myself that change is possible? And how can I find those first baby steps in making that change a reality? This is where the journey diverges for people with PMDD. That as much as there's this genetic biological component of hypersensitivity. These things are also influenced by life experience, both current situations and and stresses that we're experiencing, as well as past traumas from, you know, the childhood wound to more severe trauma that you might have experienced in your life. And so the journey and where you start is going to be different. And that's okay. And later this month, we're going to be talking about progress. Because I think just as soon as you start talking about, you know, what are the first steps in this process, the next big question is, how do I know if it's working? And how do I stay encouraged to keep going when it's hard to see any differences, when it doesn't feel like anything is changing? And the more that you can separate and weaken the connection between PMDD symptoms, the clinical aspect of it, and who you are, the easier it's going to be to start minimizing the place that it holds in your life. And if you're identifying with any of this, with all of this, but it still feels so out of reach, that's exactly what I'm here to help with. I remember being in the dark places where I couldn't see my way out of it. And because I had I had worked so hard to keep up a facade of holding it all together, I'd relied so much on isolation as a coping mechanism that I didn't really have anyone who could step into that and help pull me out of it. And sometimes you just need someone who can come alongside you to help you clear the fog. 
So in the show notes, there's a link to schedule a free 20-minute discovery call with me. And that call is really just to connect with you, to understand where you're at in your journey, and to see if working one-on-one with me is the best fit for you and at this point in your PMD journey. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more great episodes like this one, subscribe on iTunes, follow on Spotify, or wherever you listen, and be sure to share with someone who could also benefit from this information. And if you want to learn more about how I can help you stop normalizing your symptoms and start optimizing your experience, head to briannaviegas.com or find me on Instagram at Coaching.